Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. This is the uh, this is the moment where I kind of wish I had a dad joke before the start of every message, um, but I've never been terribly good at telling jokes, so I'm not going to start now. Um, it's just not a gift that I have, and if you've got a dad joke, don't send it to me, because <laughs> um, <laughs> I may not tell it. It has to be pretty good for me to have a prepared joke uh, before a message. Um, If we know anything, uh, we are confronted with uh, battles most day of various perspectives and uh, challenges. Um, I guess battles could be broadly described as struggles, as hardship. They might even be uh, natures of suffering, um, of long-term, short-term. And if we know anything else, battles often cause wounds. Battles often cause wounds. Some wounds are large, some wounds are small. Um, <laughs> um, my daughter's texting me and saying, here's a joke for you, Dad. Um, <laughs> fair dinkum. Um, I'm not reading it. Go away. I'm talking about battles. I've gone really seriously. What did the mama cow say to her calf? It's past your bedtime. Past you? Past. See, that's why I don't tell dad jokes. I told you. Don't send it to me. Battles. Children doing as they're told. Get off your phone, pay attention. <laughs> wounds, battles. Some wounds that we carry are small, others are larger. Some are easy to see and others aren't so easy. Or in fact, we might even try to hide the wounds for fear of what other people might think of us, what other, they might, other people might say about us. Uh, or because of the shame that we've felt when other people have seen that wound. We might respond in different ways. We might become ultra busy. We might become ultra isolated. Um, all sorts of things. Uh, but the battles are expressed too. Um, you know, and we, we see it in our news. Uh, the civil wars throughout Syria, Africa, Yemen, Afghanistan leave millions of people displaced. And families uh, live with generational trauma. Uh, 20, 30 years living in displaced isolation uh, and communities uh, and generations, two or three generations, who suffer the effects of being cast out of their home. That's some kind of wound to carry. Uh, uh, displaced people who wonder where they might be able, when they might be able to go home or welcomed into a country with new opportunities. And even if they can do either of those things, who are they? They've got no paperwork to say who they are. Battles cause wounds. Um, over recent weeks, our, our country has been decimated by fires and the impact of fires and some people carry the wounds of what they've seen, what they've experienced for years. And now in some parts of our country, we're seeing floods and the impacts that has. 
and the impact of people who have experienced fires and floods 10 years ago. And that all comes up. Battles carry wounds. Um, And now we're in the grip of the coronavirus, COVID-19. What can we do? What should we not do? Who is at risk? What is the truth? Um, But I think... As much as we might say, be cautious and be smart, be thoughtful without being afraid, what I've also noticed is that fear and isolation are the two of the biggest wounds that we carry. Uh, expressed and almost encouraged to some senses um, how we isolate people um, and how we become self-protective. I saw a statement about celebrating the nature of the Aussie spirit when we band together. Uh, to uh, fight the fires and yet it's every man for himself when we're buying toilet paper. (laughs) We kind of laugh about that but there's so much truth in our own responses and how we expect other people to respond. And if this, this might be your first time stepping into a church and uh, this might be your first time um, exploring church and you might be wondering kind of what you've stepped into. Uh, That's okay, we want to welcome you. I think you've come at a great time. I've I've really wrestled with this series. I wondered if this series actually has any benefit or bearing, but uh, I think it's an important topic as we lead into Easter, as we head into Easter, the battle scars. Because I think wounds can become scars, and scars become great ministry. Uh, I think if if this is your first time, or if this is your millionth time, I really want to encourage you in this series uh, to continue to press deeper into the heart of Jesus, believing that God wants to bring healing into our hearts, into our bodies, into our spirits, into our minds, into the way that we think about things over this series, into the way that we respond to this, uh, into the way that we respond to different things. I'm going to be reading through Job shortly. If you're you're on New Version, it'll be on the on the event there uh, if you want to open up your bibles you might want to find it's not a book you might not know where it necessarily is uh, if you go to the contents page that will be a really helpful resource for you um, but i was thinking about it too in the course of history battles of varying degrees uh, have a constant here's, here's a few from scripture just a few um, abraham and sarah weren't able to have children for a long period of time uh, and never mind the whole sharing of wives and concubines that happened in that and the battles that that caused and the wounds that that caused. Um, Jacob was deceived as much as he tried to uh, deceive others and control his heritage and his destiny. Moses was born at a time when children were being slaughtered and he took matters into his own hand when he saw uh, an Egyptian uh, making life hard for a Hebrew brother. Uh, Moses murdered the Egyptian essentially beat him up uh, and murdered and then went and lived in the desert as a shepherd for 40 years. Joseph dreamt of being a ruler and then suffered slavery, abuse, rejection, deception, prison, was forgotten in prison and that's before we've got out of Genesis, the first book of our scriptures. That's astonishing, isn't it, when you think about the course of history. Battles are a part of our lives. David was a shepherd who protected sheep from lions and bears. He fought the giant Goliath before he became a king, a great king whose scripture says he was after God's own heart. Mind you, in the midst of being a king, he saw a beautiful woman, had an affair, committed adultery, um, murdered by arrangement one of his soldiers who was married to that woman and then had his son 
die. We all go through battles and how we respond to those battles and how we allow God to minister in those battles determines whether we carry wounds or scars. Disease, war and turmoil have been through all of Scripture. Job understood what it was to be in the midst of a very uh, real and personal battle and seemingly unfair battle. Here's a little bit about Job. Here's an introduction. In the land of Uz, 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 um, however you choose to pronounce it, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. All that to say, this guy was a very rich man. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Battles with technology. Thanks, Izzy, if you press the button for me. It'll come back at me shortly, I hope. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. So here was a guy, he was faithful, he was a man of integrity, he was wealthy, but not only was he wealthy, he was a man who was well-respected, well-known, and he was prayerful for his family he was prayerful for his family and then it goes on one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them the Lord said to Satan where have you come from Satan answered the Lord ah from roaming throughout the earth going back and forth on it thanks Izzy then the Lord said to Satan have you considered my servant Job There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. It's a fascinating conversation, isn't it? Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Um, He loses his wealth, he loses his livelihood. And out of that, he loses his family. That's what happens out of that conversation. Loses everything. He's got nothing essentially left. Um, I mean, it's a fascinating conversation and it's it's an understanding that we struggle with that God somehow calls this. We believe that God gives us all good things. And yet the Hebrew people had an understanding that God is responsible for all things. He has the power over all things. He has control over all things. I mean, we sing the song. He gives and he takes away. And yet somehow we're not so willing to come into the presence of God when we feel like he's taken away. Then it goes on in chapter 2. 
On another day, then the Lord, and so the Satan comes back to God with angels. I've shortened this uh, for interest of time. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life, but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well. I mean, how are you feeling about that right now? None of us think that's particularly pleasant, do we? Who, who is this God? This is not a God we like to talk about, is it? It's not a God we understand. How's this conversation happening? And it's, again, let's come back and understand if God is in control of everything, he has authority even over Satan. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job... Thanks. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, his wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. I mean, his wife said, I'd rather you're dead than put up with this. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. <laughs> Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? I mean, it's hard to comprehend that trouble comes from God, isn't it? We, we, we struggle with that, don't we? Our society struggles with that. And I want to say very clearly, overarching, God gives us good things. That's all God does. He wants the best for us. So let's explore this. In the meantime, so there's Job. In the meantime, some of us would very clearly understand and identify with Job. And I am believing and praying that God wants to minister and he's already started to minister amongst people right now, right here. For me, that's like a weight that comes in the presence that comes over the room and I feel like the atmosphere has shifted. So as I said earlier, I wrestled um, with whether this series was needed and yet I wrote this list out. Thanks, Izzy. Um, I wrote this list out and as heavy as it feels, it convinced me of the need to declare, remind, encourage and invite new life. I wrote this list out being mindful that, understanding that battles is a broad term. You know, we think of battles as being war and machinery and weapons and yet there's something deeper happening. Paul writes in Ephesians, we're not just battling against flesh and blood, uh, we're battling against the spirits and principalities. So, these are just some of the um, conversations that I have had uh, over 18 years, but more significantly over the last period of time. Um, encouraging children to eat what's put in front of them or getting ready for school or getting our children to sleep. Um, helping parents understand why we need that phone. Oh, I, did, I did one for you kids, all right, you ready? Helping our parents understand why we need that phone or those pair of shoes, or that brand of clothing. Now, I know battle might be too strong a word, but I wanted to start low-key for you. All right? I just wanted to start low, 
And they're not meant to be battles, those things. That's just the nature of growing up and trying to work out what it means to be a part of a house. But here's some of the conversations that I've had there where it starts to get a bit more serious and we feel the burdens and the wounds. When people are working out what it means to provide care for their husbands, their wives, their parents or their children. When people are starting to go through treatment, through illness or ageing. And they start to feel their body fail them. The mental or physical illness that we've endured longer than we would like to remember. And for some of us, that's been longer than we remember being well. We're going through grief because of separation, because of kids leaving home, because of death or because of the sale of a home, the family home. Changing friendships or workplaces, the struggle to pay bills, dissatisfaction at work, the struggle to find work. Watching children struggle with friendships, struggling to find resources that support the care of our loved ones in ageing or disability or wondering what resources might be available as we care for people at home. Our marriage isn't what we expected it to be. Children aren't as connected as what we hoped. Things said or done when we were children still haunt us. Things said or done to husbands and wives still haunt us. The disappointment, hurt and frustrations from people that we have trusted, the church or even God. The desire we have to see family members following Jesus. How we have prayed for God to change or fix something and he didn't do it in the way we wanted. All of these are battles. All of these leave wounds, marks. Frustration, disappointment, anger. And some of that might actually be feasible and reasonable that we do get frustrated and disappointed and anger. But we do need to choose and work out how we respond so they don't become bitterness and resentment and infect the rest of our lives. Have you ever had an open cut, uh, like a deep wound um, in your body anywhere or you've gone for surgery? You know, I, and this is, this is the analogy I use about our spirits. Um, I had a, a deep wound here, uh, and I apologise if you've heard this in my office at different times, and if you're a bit squeamish, um, prepare yourself now, breathe in, breathe out, whatever you need to do. Um, I had a, uh, a wound here because I was hanging from a shed roof and I cut my, the inside of my elbow on the corner of my shed roof. Um, it was so deep that uh, I could see white flesh. Um, now, Dad came home and he, I was standing in the backyard, like, just standing there casually. How you going, son? <laughs> Great, Dad. Good. I had to go and confess that I'd been doing something that I wasn't meant to be doing, which will surprise you all, I know. Um, now, I had to go and get stitches for that wound. I could have left the wound. I could have taken my chances. I could have wrapped a hanky up, worn long sleeves, hoped it would be a do all right. There's every chance it would have got dirty. Every chance it would have got infected. Every chance the infection would have spread. And every chance if I had left that wound and not submitted myself to the authorities, firstly my parents, I don't know what would have happened. But this is a reality about so many of us that walk through this life. We carry so many wounds that infect so many other things in our life. We carry so many wounds that infects every other relationship that we're a part of. 
and every way that we respond to God and anyone else often. So sometimes, and this isn't exhaustive, I know, sometimes we are the ones who cause the wounds and sometimes others have caused the wounds against us. Sometimes circumstances work against us and sometimes we weren't willing to listen to the wisdom of others. Sometimes we can stand and point to where the wound has come from and other times we just feel like the world and God is simply against us. And sometimes we don't even know we carry the wounds until a word or event triggers it or triggers a response that catches off guard. So here's what I've learned about the battles that we face. The wounds that we carry from previous battle affect our responses to current battles. The wounds that we carry from previous battle affect our responses to current battles. We are not the only ones who go through them or have gone through them, but we often spend too much time comparing ourselves, pointing, justifying, complaining, rather than seeking healing or understanding. And often, as I think as we're seeing even now, uh, and I, we, although we are seeing some response to it as well, wounds cause us to feel alone, and because we feel alone, we isolate and remove ourselves even further. Now, feeling alone might not necessarily be true. And there might be some wisdom about spending some time alone. But sadly, when we start to feel overwhelmingly alone, we then remove ourselves further from community and we distance ourselves further from God because God didn't show up or God didn't change it or God didn't often do what I wanted him to do in a way that I wanted him to do it. So the battles cause us to wrestle with what we have believed or known or been told. Thanks, Izzy. Job, a couple of responses that Job makes, and these, you might understand these responses. Oh, that I might have my request that God would grant what I hope for, that God would be willing to crush me, to let loose his hand and cut off my life. This is a wounded guy, wouldn't you think? Some of us sitting here have probably felt like that. He is not a mere mortal like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there was someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together. And isn't that what most of us long for in our relationship with God? The good news is we have someone who has brought us together. We'll get to the good news. Thanks, Izzy. If someone dies, will they live again? asked Job. Who is the Almighty that we should serve him? What would we gain by praying to him? Have you asked that question? I know that my, and then some glimpse of hope. Some glimpse of hope. I know that my Redeemer lives and then in the end he will stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Now what we don't know is about Job is how long he suffered through his circumstances. Um, the understanding is that perhaps he was about 70 uh, when all this started uh, and part of the problem when we read Job is we kind of read through Job and often we don't sit in the uncomfortable places. 
We know we've asked questions like this, but we feel guilty and we feel bad for even asking questions like this because we should believe something like this, or not even um, we should believe something different. And we need to remember who Jesus is. But what we also do is then compare in, uh, with other people or point to what other people have done. And I think we do this with the end of Job because at the end of Job, we read that uh, his his family and his wealth were restored and multiplied to even greater than what he had before. He had 10 more children after he went through this. He sees then to four generations after that. And he lives for another 140 years. Great blessing came out of his suffering. And some of us are sitting here going, oh man, I'd love to see some blessing. How long should we endure the suffering? But I think the real gift about Job and the real gift and the real opportunity is choosing the one in whom we trust regardless of circumstances. Thanks, Izzy. Bill Johnson says, uh, God is always trying to endear us to a world we cannot see. And that's a tough word. That's a really hard experience when we're going through struggles, when we're going through battles, when we're not seeing results, when we're not seeing fruit, when we're not seeing outcomes, when we're not seeing things change. To come back to the heart of the Father and go, God, I don't, I, this is what's before me. There's a world I cannot see, and I want to hope in that world be, rather than get swallowed up by this world of fear or disappointment or bitterness or resentment. See, my wounds are healed through his wounds. My scars are God's victories. Our scars are lessons through the mess of life that can become God's ministry and power. See, I don't know anyone in Scripture, and I've tried to think about it, and if you know someone um, who experienced this, because, um, sorry, we went another track and that's not where I want to go. Um, I don't know anyone in Scripture who wasn't released into something greater without suffering. And we get so bogged down in the suffering that God can't lead, release us into something greater because our eyes are so given to the suffering that we stop trusting the one who wants to release us into something greater. But our measure of our struggle is through our understanding of time. See, we measure time by these small devices, either on our wrist or in our pockets, however we do it. We measure time according to minutes, down to seconds, down to hundreds of a seconds if you want to. And that's the time of measurement that we have. We measure time by years and months and days. While God measures through eternity. How do you, how do you stand against that? How do you measure that? Maybe the real gift is keeping our, not losing sight. We don't want to be impractical and ignore, you know, there's some things we need to deal with when we face battles and we've got some wounds. We have to deal with some stuff. But it's easy to deal with stuff when we keep eternity in mind. I was running along the path uh, alongside the river the other day and I went around, I've got this silly dog that doesn't like other dogs and kind of barks and pulls me and all sorts of stuff. So we tried to go around this couple um, and uh, to give them and their dog plenty of room while I was trying not to get pulled over by my dog. Um, 
and I had to go off the path. And as I went off the path, I came back on the path. It was all loose brush and leaves and sticks. As I come back on the path, I felt what I thought was a stick going to my shoe. You know that kind of thing where you're running, you're walking along and you're trying to shake your foot? Have you ever done that? You try to put the stick into a spot where you don't feel it? Have you ever? You've done that surely, haven't you? Oh, Sometimes you leave me hanging and I feel like I do a lot of weird things on my own. But so I felt like I was running along, you know, and I felt like I'm shaking my leg trying to... Um, I felt like this stick and I thought, oh, do I stop? I've just gone past this couple with a dog. I have to, I have to wrestle with the dog and I have to wrestle with their dog. I don't want them to catch up with me because you don't want people to catch up with you once you've gone past them, do you? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes around in my head, let me tell you. Um, you should hear it right now. Um, get off, Simon, get off. Um, so in the end, I think, no, look, it's a twig. I'll just, I'll just kind of take a step and I'll reach down and I'll pick the twig out because it'll leave a mark, it'll scratch my leg, it'll start bleeding. So I stop and I bend down and the stick isn't there. It's a, this pathetic, minuscule little stone that's made its way down inside my sock almost underneath my foot. So I, get, I reach down, looking for the dog behind me, um, reach down, pull this little minuscule, I mean, you couldn't even see it. I flick it back where it belongs, you know, put nature back. Um, if it was a spider, I would have killed it. Um, <laughs> and so I was able to find it. I started running again. I heard this whisper from God. I genuinely heard this whisper from God. Whatever you feel like is big is minuscule compared to who I am. Will you trust me? Generally, will you believe that I'm big enough through any hardship, suffering or battle? And so I ask you the question today. I know that some of us are in battles and we feel like we're in battles for our lives. We're in battles for life and death. And yeah, maybe you are. But I tell you what, compared to the glory and the wonder and the hope and the promise and the eternity of God, Oh, God's got you. But will you trust him? Will we genuinely trust him? Second Corinthians, thanks, Izzy. Second Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. If only I would remember that and believe that in my time of disappointment, frustration and crisis. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power, says God, is made perfect in your weakness. See, we spend a lot of time trying to show the world how tough, how strong, how brave we are. And meanwhile, we infect so many other parts of our lives because we carry wounds that we don't bring to the great healer. Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Whatever battle you're in, have been in, whatever wounds you carry, in whom do you trust? How big is your God? So we get to the end of Job. You might be grateful that we get to the end of Job. Thanks, Izzy. God finally speaks and he speaks a lot. But I wanted to give you a highlight. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. 
and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Do you get the impression you don't have a choice here? Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's and can your voice thunder like his? Who am I compared to the glory, the wonder, the majesty, the beauty, the healing nature, the time, the eternal perspective that God carries? Who am I? Who am I? And then get this, thanks, Izzy, in Hebrews chapter 5. Oh, no, sorry, keep going. Sorry, yes. Uh, Job, no. <clears throat> yes, thank you. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So now we might consider the example of Jesus, do we, Izzy? Yes? Yes? I mean, this is, this is astonishing. So hear this. This is the great healing. This is the great opportunity. And we'll explore different aspects of this over the next few weeks. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, writes the um, author to the Hebrews, he offered up prayers and petition with fervent cries and tears. You understand that? Some of us would understand that. Most of us would understand that. If you've been living on this earth for any length of time, you know what it is to offer up prayers with fervent cries and tears desperation and Jesus we're told here is offering these prayers to the one who could save him from death and he was heard because of his reverent submission he was heard (laughs) son though he was he learned obedience from what he suffered whoa Wrap your head around that. Here's Jesus who we often talk about as the perfect one, the one without sin, who goes to the cross for our sin, who goes to the cross so we can declare that all our sin, all our wounds, it is finished. The one without sin takes our sin, takes our shame, takes the condemnation, takes everything wrong with the world upon himself, so much so that the God God of holy of holies cannot look upon him. And yet here he is still learning obedience through suffering and if Jesus is our great example is it possible friends that he remains our great example in suffering that we are invited into a place through suffering into obedience we are invited through suffering into a place of repentance and confession because it's in that that we find new life and able to know that the wounds of Jesus are the wounds that heal us. The great gift is submit to the heart of the Father and be learning obedience to him. This, this doesn't mean that there aren't things to deal with. This doesn't mean there won't be things to confront. But we do them out of the heart of the Father where we find the greater healing. I want to invite you to stand with me as our team comes back up.
We're going to sing No Longer Slaves. Uh, it's a great song to sing, I think, at this time, an important song to sing. You might want to open up your hands, your arms, to receive what God might want to bless you with today. But here's some things, here's some statements I want to say in the midst of this, and I want to declare over you because know that some of us are in the midst of battles. Whether you want to hold your arms open, your hands open, or you want to lift your arms to receive this blessing, these blessings, God is bigger than your battles. God is bigger than your battles. God is the one who heals and teaches obedience through suffering. And he's revealing greater things in his timing, in a time that you cannot understand or measure, but God is revealing greater things for you and to you. God is the one whom you can trust as healer with your wounds. God is the one whom you can trust as healer with your wounds. He wants to heal you as we learn obedience through our suffering, as we trust in God as healer and restorer. Because I really believe that over the next few weeks, and I think there will be great testimony to come, only through the wounds of Jesus do our wounds become scars of God's victories. And the wounds we suffer in battles become the scars that remind us of God's victories when we surrender all of ourselves to Jesus. Now, maybe some people here today who don't know Jesus. And everything we talk about is an invitation to be a believer, to be a follower of Jesus. And if that's you, I want to ask you as we sing this song, if you want to receive Jesus and you're receiving Jesus, even in this moment, you want to receive the benefits of his healing, I want to invite you during this song just to move forward and come and have a chat with me. You might say you don't know all the things that, you've done wrong, that you, I've done wrong, all the wounds that I carry, and yet you haven't discovered all the things that God wants to do in you and for you. You are not that broken that he can't heal you. You can't fall too far that he can't find you. You can't do so wrong that he can't forgive you. You can't do so bad that he can't restore you. And if that's you today, I want to ask you, invite you, implore you to move out of your seat and come and see me. Come and see one of the ministry team, Jared, Linda, uh, any of the elders. See someone you know and trust today and ask them to pray with you in declaring this for yourself. We make the invitation because Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before man, I'll acknowledge you before God. And if you're here this morning and you happen to be here because you've come to explore or observe something without really knowing why, I want to suggest that you're here looking for some healing. You're looking for some hope. We don't want to embarrass you, but we want to create the time and space for you to respond to Jesus. So as we sing this song, No Longer Slaves, it said we're no longer people of fear. We invite you to simply come, walk forward and receive the healing love of Jesus.